Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. All right, James, big news. Big, big, big news. I don't know if you saw this yet, but the Beebs says that this is the year for the Maple Leafs to win the Cup. What do you think about that? I think that Beebs is becoming uh, too tight with some of the Leafs players, and it's clouding his his <laughs> memories of, of what being a Leafs fan is all about. I don't know if you'll get this reference, but do you think he's going to be the Jack Nicholson um, of the, yeah, yeah. What, the Leafs? The, the Lakers, right? Was that yeah. what Nicholson was on the... Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's I mean, what he's aiming for? I think he just likes the Leafs. <laughs> I think he just grew up around here and likes the Leafs. And and I think that some of the players... I mean, it seems like Matthews in particular has become close with Bieber. So I think the players like his music and think he's cool and he likes the Leafs and... They're, I think they're around this. No, I guess Bieber's older, right? Well, how old is Bieber? 30? I don't know. Probably. It's probably pretty close. I'm sure he's... No, I think he's probably in his late, mid to late 20s. Let me Maybe look You can look up. it up. But it, it's kind of interesting. How old? Oh, he's yeah, he's only 26. Yeah. Wow. That just shows how famous he became so young. Yes. And how little I know about Justin Bieber. I know that he's from Stratford and one of our editors, Ian Denemy, is from Stratford. And he's a really big Bieber fan as a result. He has some good music, I gotta say. Um, I know that might surprise you, but anyway, it's actually kind of funny that the, the Raptors like have Drake and the Leafs now have Bieber, like two of the most famous musicians in the world. Kind well, of as super the fans. Canadian music scene is yeah, and Toronto music scene has really exploded. You know, the last whatever ten years. All right, that's enough music talk. Today we're going to talk about the Matthews line, which has just been increasingly dominant we're going to talk about John Tavares leading the league in scoring which I know you predicted after the first four games we'll talk a little about a bit about Frederick Anderson and the goalie situation right now we'll get into the Aaron Dell Jason Spezza waivers weirdness uh, we'll talk a little Nick Robertson and then we'll take some listener questions um, but James first I want to touch on Matthews Marner and Thornton I think Matthews and Marner have looked outstanding. You can see that there's a leap that they're taking from even last year. I don't know if it's more so with Marner than with Matthews, um, but like Matthews and Marner in that line, like they faced off against the Jets' number one line, number one deep pairing last night, and we're talking on Tuesday, and they destroyed them. So I don't know what sticks out to you about that line so far. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think they look they look really, really good. I thought they were the second game against Ottawa. They were they were dominant, and it's you know four games into the season, it's a little bit hard to get a read on the Leafs. Two of the games they've been against Ottawa. One of them they played really badly. Um, the two games, you know, Winnipeg was missing some key players there in in, in the fourth game that the Leafs played. Uh, I would say the Leafs have played two not very good games and two really good games, and we kind of need to see more to know what they're going to be, but certainly super encouraging signs from, 
from Matthews and Marner, and I think that Thornton it looks pretty good on that line. I mean, they they're giving him they're giving him you know those minutes, the the kind of softer minutes for that line, the offensive zone minutes, and yep. he doesn't you know I was watching him more closely against Winnipeg. He doesn't look slow like he you know it's not like it's not it's well it's not like his like first like when he's in close his like acceleration or whatever is not it, it, yeah like he's not fair. gonna he's not gonna win like a longer foot race but like in the offensive zone he's he's like on guys and he's checking and like he, it's not like he he doesn't look 41 and a half or, well do you know what you know? helps james when you're six foot four and like 200 pounds like he's so good at just using his body to protect the puck like he's huge yeah, i I lack most skills playing hockey, but I'm big and I get in the way. And <laughs> you you need fewer strides when you're that size to to get where you want to go. Well, and it does seem like that they have realized, or I don't know if it's 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 by accident, but the last two games, as opposed to the first two games, they've cut his ice time down. Like he played 14 minutes against the Jets. He played 14 minutes, I believe, against Ottawa over the weekend after playing like. 17 18 the first couple games like that's just too much Mm -hmm. yeah if Mm -hmm. you're gonna want joe thornton to to last they've been way more targeted in how they use him um but matthews marner i've noticed marner um he's just around the puck maybe even more than he was last year he's i don't know know if we have the stats yet for this but like his zone entries appear to be up like he's carrying the puck into the offensive zone with speed a bunch He's shooting it more. I don't know. Like he, to me, looks like he's he's taking another step. And obviously Matthew's the same. Like Matthew's looks like he can get a shot off whenever he wants it. Um, and defensively, like you can see both guys like are really making an effort. I wonder if they talked to, to Marner about the, uh, the zone entries and about just like maybe changing a little bit the way he plays. Because I know last year, once he started playing with Matthews, that kind of dipped down a little bit. And it yes. was really... I mean, the other thing too is when you have Hyman on that line, he's always kind of like your F one forward, first in on the puck. Yeah, um, yeah, good point. You know, Hyman's going to get a lot of touches on the puck that I think now are are probably going to to Marner. So it's going to be really, really fascinating if they can make that line work over over the long term. Here, it's going to be um, it's it's going to be a big boost, I think, to the rest of the lineup because you know another player who had a really, really good game against Winnipeg was was Hyman. You know, he's it feels like he's taken another step and the step is that, you know, he doesn't need to necessarily play with the team's best players to make an impact. He had 10 shots on goal against the Jets. Like this, you know, he can almost, Mike Babcock always talked about driving players that can drive a line. I mean, it feels like Hyman can drive a a line some nights just watching him out there. He's just, he's just really aggressive. He's skating really well. And you remember last year he came into the year and he, he had basically spent the entire offseason in the start of the year and missed all of camp because he was uh, rehabbing from from major knee surgery. And, uh, you know, I remember he told me that his goal with that knee surgery was to come back with, with stronger kind of legs than he had previously. And he had read about a bunch of NFL running backs and other players that had gone through the same surgery and had done that. And, I mean, he looked, he looked strong, he looks fast, and he even went through the the torture of having a newborn baby and, you know, <laughs> right, right before the season started and, and he looks good, you know, it's so, you know, that's another positive for the Leafs. Well, he's becoming, um, we don't really have these in hockey, but he's kind of like now a super utility kind of player in that, like they move him onto that Thornton line for defensive zone draws or 
or late in the game. Although I thought it was interesting in the game on Monday night, Thornton was on the ice in the last couple minutes protecting the lead, which I did not expect. But they're using Hyman that way. They're using him on the power play, obviously. And he kills a ton of penalties. And he's, he's obviously a key cog on that third line that they're trying to build. Like, he's just becoming super important. And it's going to get to a really interesting place with his contract and, like, his next contract and what they do and how much he's worth. You and I did a, a story for The Athletic during the off season, but that's a future conversation. That's really interesting. Uh, but man, like, did you ever think that there would be a day when Zach Hyman would have 10 shots on goal in an NHL game? I did not. <laughs> no, unless they were all banking in off his knees and stuff like that. I mean, so he's got, I was just looking this up. He's got two points so far. He's got the, he's got the, they're both on the power play um, where he's looked, he's looked pretty good. And he's only, he's only got 13 shots on the year. So the, the 10 last night were a big part of, of his offensive output you know, maybe he's not going to have a huge year in terms of point totals, and and that makes the contract negotiation a little bit easier. Sure. I mean, I I don't know how much of an impact that's going to make. I, I still think he's going to take a hometown discount. I think still think the right thing to do is give him a lot of term and uh, get that cap hit down as much as you can. So and and front load the contract, and I think that they'll find a way to get a deal like that done. I think that will be a very interesting contract. I've thought a lot about it since you and I wrote about it. Uh, wishing I had, like, I wish I had thought more deeply about it then. I'd thought about it, but not as, like, once you start going through the machinations of, like, what it could look like, you just worry, like, you get into a situation, I mean, Tampa won a cup, so it's, like, worth it, but with Alex Kalorn, where he's so valuable, yeah. but, like, you still have, like, he's in his 30s now, and now you're having to move other players. But anyway, that's a, di- a conversation but for they, a different but- day. But they like they could move Kalorn right now, but they just like him and they don't want to move him. And I think that right. that's a better better comparable for. I mean, the the difference between Hyman and Kalorn is that Hyman's probably older when he's signing the deal, right? Like that. I mean, yes, I we've gone so. through this. There are people in the Leafs front office, you know, and the coaching staff and whatever that that want Hyman back. I don't want to say at all costs because I think that that's too far. But like, really, really value Hyman and want him back and. I think they'll find a way to get it done. All right. We should talk about John Tavares. Tavares? Tavares? I never settled on what that is. Um, I'm just back to what it was always was with the Islanders. It was just Tavares. 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 Well, he is tied for the NHL lead in scoring. Um, He scored against the Jets. He scored in three of the four games. He's got six points. I, I mentioned this um, after the blue and white game, I think, when I wrote about it, that I thought he looked faster. Um, that was something Sheldon Keefe brought up after the game on Monday night. But I think what's really most interesting about his start, in addition to the power play, which we can talk about in a second, um, is how much they're protecting him and sheltering him. And, and maybe a better way to look at it is they're trying to get him playing offense as much as possible, which makes sense given his age, given where he's at in his career, given that he's playing with Neilander and VC, what do you think about the way that they're using him right now? I mean, it, it makes sense if they feel comfortable with with that checking line with, with Kerfoot and, and Hyman and, and Mikheyev, if they feel like they're, they can get the job done. And really, you know, what you're seeing, it's almost, it, it's kind of like what uh, Vancouver was doing you know, years ago when Mal Holtra played for them, Mal Holtra would get like 10% zone starts and that would free up the Sedin line to start in the offensive zone all the time. You know, the Sedins would get 70, 80% zone starts. So right now, 
Uh, if you look at it, Kerfoot's at 26% uh, offensive zone start, and Tavares is at almost 80%, 79.4, which is which is tops on the team. Um, that's um, that's that's more extreme than we've seen the Leafs use. I can't. I can't think of. Well, look at Hyman's at seventeen percent. Well, James, I compared I it to to Bozak, and I also mentioned the Sedins. I wrote about this for the Athletic. If you haven't seen it, check it out. But I went and looked at Bozak, and Bo, even Bozak back in the day, like, wasn't this extreme. Like this is like like you said, this is Sedin level extreme. Like I looked at Daniel Sedin for one year, and he was like eighty percent at one point, and like sixty plus and seventies a bunch of times. Um, but you're right. Like it, it does makes some sense if if that Kerfoot line can do the job. It's just such a drastic shift from the way that they used Tavares like not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, he was the hard match guy. I mean, remember that playoff series, the first one against Boston and the first the first one that he was on the Leafs uh, against Boston, which I guess was the second. 2019. It, it and I remember writing, you know, there was one of the games where, where Tavares had a great game against that top line for Boston. And it's like, what a difference this makes having, having yeah. Tavares, you know, able to take the matchups. And then, yeah. you know, we're, what are we, a year and a half later? Yeah. Like, like not that much later. And we're saying, you know, it, it makes more sense for Tavares to be sheltered and, and, and not get those tough matchups. But, you know, part of it too is they, they feel like that's the best fit with VC and Neilanders. So, I mean, it, it's hard to complain with, you know, Tavares is tied for the lead league in, in scoring with six points in his first four games. Um, Sheldon Keefe was saying after the Winnipeg game that he thinks that Tavares looks faster and looks, you know, looks great. Um, well, uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to monitor kind of how that plays out. And the other thing, too, that I find, Jonas, is that uh, in this market, um kind of like the point totals and who's leading the team in scoring and all that becomes like a much bigger deal. Uh, and it, and, and kind of their usage and their role doesn't get talked about as much. Like, no. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's whether it's power play points or whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. People look at the overall numbers. So I think that, you know, we could get into a situation where, you know, Tavares is getting these really sheltered minutes. He's piling up tons of points and everyone, you know, the, the, the narrative is going to be in the city. Like, look at this amazing year John Tavares is having and like a career year and et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, he's only playing 17 minutes a game. He's playing basically on the third line and given how sheltered it is, yeah. uh, most of his points are coming on the power play. And then you look at what Matthews and, and Marner are doing and you look at what Hyman's, I mean, Hyman's playing more than Tavares and Hyman's doing more things than Tavares is. And, but I, I can already see that, you know, if Tavares continues to pile up these points, um, which is good for the Leafs. I mean, it's good to for them to have a quote-unquote third, second or third line that can be that offensively deadly. That's a pretty effective weapon for you to have. Not very many teams in the NHL right now have that kind of depth. Well, it works because you have, like, Matthews might be, like, the second best. All, like, he's right there as one of the best center two-way centers in the league. Like, And then he's got Marner who's taken a step. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you have that kind of a line that can – take another team's top line and just eat it for breakfast, it really makes things a lot easier with your other lines. And like, that was always part of the equation with signing Tavares in the first place is like you had basically two number one lines. Um, the thing is like other lines, like you mentioned the Sedins. I mean, the Bruins have done this sort of thing with their top line for a while. 
Um, it's not the worst thing. It's just interesting, the evolution. It's interesting with the contract. It's interesting that this is year three. It's interesting in like the bigger picture of what this means for Tavares moving ahead. But like you mentioned, like most of his production so far has actually come on the power play. And I think we should talk about that. Um, we've talked a lot about the splitting up of the two units or the, of the one unit into two. What that's done is it's just allowed Tavares to be like a player. And like you notice it, he's just getting shots all the time. And before, like, I don't know if you felt this way. Like, didn't I always felt like he was kind of an afterthought on that power play last year. And it's like this kind of gets him into a starring role. Like, what have you seen from the power plays in general that you like or don't like? Well, I mean, it was I think that was their first power play of the game, wasn't it? They had one power play there in the second period against Winnipeg, and it was just ridiculous. Like, it was like, it, it looked like uh, NHL versus an AHL team or something. Like, they were just all over them. They, the, the stats on natural stat tricks said they had 10 scoring chances in the one power play, and they scored right at the very end of it. So, um, it looks like they have the potential to have two really good units, yeah. is what it looks like, what it looks like to me. And I think we talked about this last week is that they have two units that can play a very different style, which the other thing too, is that, I mean, we're talking about Tavares, um, you know, and, and, and kind of getting sheltered and getting a lot of offensive zone starts at even strength. I was thinking watching, you know, Winnipeg's second penalty kill unit comes out there and then they've got to deal with. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's like they, you, you, you get, get your first group off the ice and you're like, ah, we, we stopped Matthews and Marner. It's like, oh, okay. There's Tavares and Neander. Yes. That's what I was thinking watching is that like you looked at some of the players that were on the ice for Winnipeg and it's like these would not be kind of their top choices defensively. And, you know, sometimes sometimes the second unit's going to get guys that are tired because they've been stuck out there or – and um, Nylander and, and Tavares, especially on the power play, they work really well together. I like yes. I like that combination. It's just, There's something – Nylander's a real threat with the shot as we saw against uh, Montreal, right, where he had the – the goal on Carey Price there, um, he can he can shoot from from anywhere, but he's also a, got really really good vision and he finds Tavares really well, and Tavares can obviously unload that shot. So um, it makes sense as long as they can get enough minutes for both those units. Part of the problem the Leafs have had the last couple of years is that they just really haven't drawn a lot of power plays. Like they they haven't had you know they've only been getting like three and a half or four minutes a game on the power play. And it's, it's hard to split that up among two units. So we'll see. I mean, it's pretty early this year. They we'll see if they draw more penalties this year, because that makes it a little bit easier to use two units. Well, and I should mention the other part about the Tavares line, um, like five on five is the competition they're seeing is just way less. Like it's third and fourth lines. Like his most frequent opponents up front, uh, against the Jets, it was like Mason Appleton and Jensen Harkins. Like, that's a huge advantage, like, potentially in a playoff series. Like, if you can use Tavares and Neander against third lines and third D pairings and, like, hope that they really go to work. And, like, in that game, like, shot attempts were 13-1 when they were on the ice. Um, I, th- I think, though, so like good. I said off the top, Jonas, I- I'm trying to be a little bit cautious just because, you yeah. know, Winnipeg – is probably not going to be a great team. I mean, at best they're kind of average and they were missing line A and they were missing, um, they were missing some guys on D too. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, James, like look know, I, across the Canadian division, like who is going to yes. be deep enough to be able to match up with that? I don't know. 
No, I, exactly. Yeah, I just want to see them. You know, we we've got these games against uh, two against Edmonton, two against Calgary. Yeah, I want to see. You know, so far in the, I've been watching a lot of the Canadian division right yeah, now, me too. and so far the teams that have played well to me are Montreal looks looks really really solid. Yep, and uh, Calgary, Calgary looks really really solid too. Yeah, like they. You know, if Markstrom has a big year, I think Calgary's going to be going to be a lot for teams to handle. So, you know, we'll see. I think Edmonton's a pretty good test too. Obviously, with just the firepower, and we'll see how well uh, the Leafs' defenseman and defensive play holds up against McDavid and Drysaitel. But you know, the real challengers so far early on looks like it's going to be Montreal and Calgary. And if it's close, Jonas, it might come down to what the record is in those all of those games they play against those teams in terms of who wins the division. So, yeah. I just four games in when you play three relatively weak teams and then you don't look very good against Montreal. I just I'm trying to be a little bit cautious, but I mean, like all of the underlying numbers for the Leafs now look really, really good. They're second in the NHL in, in possession in, in Corsi four fifty eight percent. They're way up there in expected goals too. They're over fifty five percent, which puts them in well, they're in ninth. They're behind uh, Montreal early on in their division, but you know, I, I just. The, the early returns are very, very good. I just want to see the, the level of difficulty ramped up and see how they how they look then. Sure. Well, and, and like you said, the big question is whether an Alex Kerfoot-led line can kind of handle some of the secondary stuff because it's clear they're not going to be getting top lines. But can they handle Paul Stasny and uh, Kyle Connor? And can they handle, like, on Wednesday night, they'll probably see Dreisaitl if that keeps up. So we'll see. Um, Frederick Anderson played better uh, against the Jets. He wasn't tested all that much. He did look a lot different in the net. Like, he just looked more composed. He was out challenging pucks. He didn't look, like, lost like he did in the first couple games where he gave up nine goals. Um, if if You know when you turn on this, the, the boiler on the stove and there's, like, ten? You can go through one to ten. What is, like... What number is it at right now as far as like the goalie debate? Um, is it like it's a five? Just too er- it's, it's too early for me. Like, like I thought the one game Campbell played, the Leafs played really well. They played one of the weaker teams in the league. Campbell faced 19 shots. He he looked solid, but I, I didn't think he was tested that much. Uh, Anderson, the game that he looked good in, the you know expected goals in that game were like four and a half to one and a half or something like that. Like the Leafs played really well. Winnipeg didn't play very well. Um you know, and there were some concerns with Anderson in in the Montreal and in, in the first Ottawa game. So, I, I need to see more. Who do you think they play against Edmonton on on Wednesday? Anderson, you? Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I think so too. And and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they come back with Campbell with the second Edmonton game on uh, yeah on Friday. You know, and then the, I think we'll know a lot more after the next couple of games. Or they'll both play well, or they'll both play poorly, or I just. I'm trying not to get ahead of this goalie debate. I want it to actually like I want it to feel like a real debate that there's actually a controversy here, and I'm not sure that there is one yet. I think well, I but just see, feel like it's that's too where early, too early. Yeah, see, I heard the boys on on Overdrive talking about that, and I don't agree. Like, I think it is. I think if Anderson had not played well uh, against Winnipeg, that he would not be starting on Wednesday night. Like, I think he his yeah, rope. I is, agree with is that, that but, short. But so then that's I, a really yeah, short rope did, like that. He, yeah, but he yeah. did play well, so like that's sure. why it's so, too yeah. early so for me. Another like, start. But that just that to me that suggests that how tenuous it is that that he has not he doesn't have much rope. I guess is why like 
I understand what you're saying. Like you don't want to make it into something it's not, but it is something. Like it is, it is that tenuous for him, especially like it's all contingent on on Campbell playing well. Like if if Campbell doesn't play well in his well, starts, it's, and, it it's contingent on Anderson being playing poorly too, which I don't yeah, think is is a given. Like I think that Anderson could, you know, maybe the pressure that's on him with you know, the shotgun start to the season and the short camp and the no exhibition games and the challenging from Campbell. I mean, maybe he rises to the occasion here. I mean, he's a professional athlete and like, I I don't know. I'm just, I get the skepticism in the market over Anderson. I would have made a change in goal, you know, coming into the year. Yeah. But, um, you know, they didn't. And and now this is going to be, it's going to be a super interesting situation, I think all year. And I'm trying not to, to get ahead of it and make something out of nothing because, you know, two things need to happen. They need for this to be a goalie controversy. Anderson's going to have to be poor over a, a you know several starts, and Campbell's going to have to be good. And and that just to me that hasn't happened yet. I mean, the goaltending hasn't really been a huge factor for them. Maybe uh, against the the first Ottawa game. I mean, like if Anderson made a couple more saves there. Yeah, but they really did not play well in that game. So no, I, I guess what I'm saying is this can change very quickly. Um, but like the thing with, that's interesting with Anderson is like, and to your point about the quick start is like, I looked at some of the numbers after like the first 10 starts of the year, he's usually pretty not good, (laughs) pretty not good. Great grammar. But then the next 10 starts, he kind of picks it up. It's like, he needs kind of to work himself into, uh, his best form. And, And this year he just won't get that. And I think that's what makes it especially interesting on top of everything else. So, well, we had, I remember early on, I want to say like two years ago, could even be longer than that, two and a half years ago, I had Dom or our stats uh, guru. I remember this. Who, yes. Yeah. Look at how inconsistent Frederick Anderson is compared to like an average NHL goalie and where he falls. And he was among the most inconsistent goalies in the NHL. Like he, his results were kind of Goalies in general, they they fluctuate. Their performance moves around. Save percentage can 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 dip and dive and everything. But Anderson seems to have these like kind of prolonged yeah. lulls, and then he has these stretches of of you know a month, month and a half where he's really really good, and he'll put up like a a nine thirty and a nine forty save percentage. And I'm tweeting out that that you know he, I what's I think I call him uh, Freddie uh, Vesna Anderson. I think that I think that's the the term. Um, <laughs> So, like, I don't know which Anderson we're going to get. I mean, right now it kind of seems like it's going to be what, what the fans call October Freddy, which is, you know, that struggle in the first month that you're talking about. But um, I think I, I'm I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and give him a couple more starts and, and see where this goes. But I would almost just keep alternating the goalies unless one of them is just really convincingly great. 1A and 1B, or 1 and 1A, as I like to say. <laughs> I think that just confuses people when you say that, though. I said you did it again in another piece. And I know because I, I heard James. Out. I heard James Duthie do it on the broadcast, and I'm like, "Screw James! I'm doing this." And I mean James, you, not James Duthie. I said, "Like I'm sticking to my guns." James Duthie said one and one a. Yeah, he went with especially when he was talking to the power play. So maybe he's been reading your pieces and you've just corrupted yes. his mind. Yes, that's that's probably what happened. 
boom, shakalaka. I was trying to look this up and see, like, I wonder if people can, do we have any linguists in the crowd? <laughs> like, I was trying to, I was trying to Google this and see, like, is, is there, like, a set way on that this is supposed to go with 1A and 1B? And well, I remember, James, when uh, Randy Carlisle was the coach and Bernier and Reimer were the goalies and he would, he wouldn't say who was, like, the number one. He just said 1A and 1B. So, mm-hmm. if you're trusting Randy, 1A and 1B. I don't think I'm going to do that. Why I like but one – well, actually, let's forget it. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time on do that. Do a whole show on this. <laughs> on, on 1A and 1B or 1 and 1A. Um, okay. Jason Spezza, Aaron Dell placed on waivers over the weekend. They lose Dell. They keep Spezza. Uh, Euro story uh, wisely explaining the situation. Do you want to just lay that case out for us? Basically, when when Robertson got hurt and they weren't going to have any flexibility, you know, they they were down to essentially a, a league minimum roster at that point when he got hurt. And if they wanted to put him on long term injured reserve to free up more salary, um, it was only going to free up eight hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And the problem with only freeing up eight hundred and twenty thousand dollars is you couldn't recall Barabanov or Lettinen, who have come over from the KHL. And they did not come over to make AHL salaries. So, you know, the the Leafs need to... I I think a big piece of this that doesn't get talked about a lot and why Spezza was waived and and why Dell was waived now instead of waiting longer is they need to keep Lettinen and and Barabanov happy or they've got that European assignment clause and they can go back to the KHL. And, you know, some people would say, so what? But... You know, the, the Leafs invested a lot in recruiting these guys, and I think that they don't really want to get a reputation for recruiting players to come over and then not giving them a chance and paying, paying them AHL salaries for a couple of weeks and then they go back. That's not going to be a really good tool to encourage these KHL guys to come over on entry-level contracts. So, you know, there are a lot of different factors that go into this. The injury to Robertson is one of them, but, you know, the reality is, is that Jason Spezza knew he knew that he was going to be on waivers this year. He knew he was going to spend some time on the taxi squad. And, you know, they tried with Aaron Dell to hang on to him for a few extra days because they thought maybe the goalie situation around the league would settle down. But, you know, other teams called their bluff. You know, other teams were, you know, they, they knew that Dell was potentially going to be out there. And, you know, when New Jersey lost Corey Crawford, you know, basically right before training camp, I believe, is when he said he's not coming back. Yeah. They were going to need a goalie. And, you know, claiming Eric Comrie on waivers was just kind of a placeholder because they knew potentially that, that Dell was going to be on waivers in the near future. So I don't know if I explained it that well. It gets really complicated when you get into the various kind of salary cap machinations. But but the thing is, is that the Leafs were so tight that they really didn't have any flexibility to recall the players they wanted to play. And and that was going to be a problem for a number of reasons. So that's why they did it. And, and I think they thought they were pretty confident that Jason Spezza was going to clear if you're pretty sure someone's going to clear, there's not really any downside. There's only upside in that, you know, you can sit Spezza for, you know, every third or fourth game and 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 play some of the other guys that they brought in that gave them all the depth. I mean, you know, Sheldon Keefe's jokingly called it the taxi squad, the stay ready squad. For these guys to stay ready, they have to play. So you, you got to give some games to to Letton and, 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 and Travis Boyd and, and Rasmus Sandin. Otherwise... They're not going to stay ready. They're they're not going to be ready to go when you need them. I, I'm not sure that I totally agree that Spezza is not going to play a lot, like a lot of games. 
I, I think there's situations. Hmm. Okay. I, I said he could miss every third or fourth game. Because yeah. like I mean, someone's gonna have to. I sit think it's only back to backs, honestly. Someone's gonna have to sit when uh, they want to play Lettinen or they want to, and I don't think it's gonna be the same guys every time. I think that, and the other thing too is, I mean, they still don't have a ton of roster flexibility. Like they can't send down Wayne Simmons to the taxi squad. They can't put Bogosian no. on the taxi squad unless they clear waivers. So that's part of the advantage of putting doing this with Spezza is now you can just move him back and forth. Yep. Um, for ten games, I believe. Or the other days. thing too, Jonas, is you can move him onto that taxi squad on like your day off. Like yes, he might Spencer might right? even be he might be on the taxi squad today, like for all we know. And and I mean it would make more sense to put Letton in there, but the difference with Spezza is that Spezza gets his full NHL contract when he's down. He actually makes more money when he goes on a taxi squad because he's not he's not being he's not paying out escrow. Um so he would make an extra twenty percent of his contract. Wow. So there's there's no yeah, you don't pay escrow you don't pay escrow when you're in the AHL and they treat the taxi squad like the AHL. So, you know, Spets is looking at like whatever it is, the equivalent of like another 140 grand or it's, it's less than that because they got the deferred salary. It's like 120 grand uh, divided by however many days. Whereas if you put Barabanov and uh, Lettinen on, on the taxi squad, they're, they're making like 90% less than they normally are. So that's a pretty big difference. So if you want to save money day to day and you don't want to piss your players off, it makes more sense to put Spezza onto that taxi squad than it does the the uh, the KHL guys. We should mention, um, like, Dell gets overplayed just because of what's happened here. Like, I get it. Um, the experiences that they've had with their goaltending depth have not been good. Um, and now Michael Hutchinson is back to being not back. I guess he was he was the number two before. So now he's he's moved up a rung. He's climbing the rungs, and now he's number three. And like <laughs> that's doubly important as to uh, Anderson and Campbell playing well and obviously staying healthy. Because like if they get into a situation where Hutchinson is playing games and playing important games, like they're not they're they're not going anywhere. Like it, it might it probably doesn't matter. Yeah, I think if it wasn't Hutchinson that the fan base would be like a little bit less concerned about it. Like if it was justifiably some, so, I, I get it. If the, yeah, like that was what I didn't like about bringing back Hutchinson is that there just might be like a lot of noise around it if if they do have to recall him and put him into the net and it just it went so badly last year that they I, I feel like they should have just found somebody else that that could have been that fourth goalie, yeah. you know, insurance. But I guess who? It's the other thing. It, I, 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 you know, like one one of these guys on waivers or whatever. Like I wonder if they still might claim someone on waivers and try and. And maybe that's the play if if a goalie's hurt or something like that is 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 try and claim someone or try and make a trade for like a depth guy or I don't know I just I, if they get lots of times your third goalie does play some games in in an NHL season so you know like what would you set the percentage chance that Hutchinson plays games for the Leafs this year <laughs> That's a good question uh, Like it's probably relatively high right? Is it ten like, I mean, percent I would say it's higher than that. Because, I mean, like, really, eh? if you have any kind of a goalie injury and you have a very condensed schedule, like, let's say let's say Campbell misses five games, that probably means Hutchinson's going to get a start, right? Because you don't want to no, play Anderson play, every single you play game. Anderson. No, I think you do. Screw it. Do it. So it's uh, But what if there's a back-to-back in there? You just play Anderson still? Just play Anderson. Screw it. What if Anderson's I don't know. I, I hear you. It's a fair point. I know. I'm just being Like, silly. Hutchinson's probably going to play some games. You know, maybe it's, it's only one or two, but he's. 
I'm not sure I would. I couldn't do it if I was them. With all due respect. It's it just went like too badly Dell. last year. Sorry. The Dell thing, I don't know. Maybe there was, I, I mean, I guess it was worth a shot. They could have claimed somebody else on waiver. One of these goalies that's been going around. They could have claimed one of them and kept them on the roster for a couple of days. And I don't know. It, just, it, it felt like Dell was so good that he was appealing to so many teams that, I don't know. I, I can't, like, criticize the Leafs for, for trying to have more goalie depth and losing it on waivers. Like, But that's the reality. Like, it's really hard to carry three NHL veteran goalies on your roster. So it's, it's almost impossible. Well, you made uh, the point, uh, a good point, that maybe you should have signed him for two years. But I guess then there's even more incentive for a team to claim him with expansion looming. So um, Nick Robertson going to miss at least a month um, with a knee injury. Really, really shitty situation for him. He plays his first game. He looks great in like the two minutes that he plays and then he gets hurt. Um, it Like that hurts. Like it's not like the hugest deal. Um, but like he was someone who could potentially move up. Um, he was someone who could potentially give you some offerings from your fourth line. I wonder if he would have gotten some second or one a power play unit minutes. <laughs> so just, just not great. I guess it creates an opportunity for someone like Travis Boyd, maybe Adam Brooks. How do you kind of see the depth playing out? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends. I think if they run into more injuries here, you know, if they have a couple of guys go down then all of a sudden, you know, if they have one of their good offensive players, it's like, man, I really w- wish we had Robertson in that shot that he's got yes. uh, on, on that on that power play unit. And I just, I, I was, I wanted to see what Robertson could do. I mean, I know there's been a lot of hype and a lot of buildup about, you know, he's been away from his family. He's 19 years old. He didn't go to the World Juniors. He put so much commitment and effort into training and getting better. And you know, between between the the, the postseason games against Columbus and and where he is now and I just, it's got to be a little bit crushing to put like whatever that is, six, seven months of work preparing for this moment. And you finally get into the lineup and two minutes into the game, your knee gets crushed. I mean, the good news here, and, and Sheldon Keefe did say that they thought that the uh, the test results were good news because, you know, apparently his knee was pretty messed up after the game. Um, the good news is it's only a month because like if he needed surgery or anything like that, I mean, you know, if you miss two or three months of this season, you're missing... I mean, it's only a 56-game season that's crammed into four months. I mean, you know, it could have been a lot worse. So hopefully, you know, they're saying four weeks minimum. Hopefully it's it's closer to the four weeks than anything longer than that. And hopefully he can come back and, and still be effective. And so one of the things you worry about with the knees sometimes is that, you know, it can affect your skating. And, and Robertson's skating is not – it's not his strength. So um, – but he's a young guy and – I'm sure he'll heal like Wolverine, and I'm sure he'll he'll be knowing <laughs> knowing him. He'll be back to to give it a good go here, uh, you know, once he's healthy. So the Wolverines, like when the claws come out, and then he puts them away, it just goes like it's like a a door, like in his hand. Like how do they go away? No, no, they the no the blades cut his skin every time he brings them out. Oh, that sucks. Well, yeah, he's he was like a military experiment. I can't believe you haven't seen the movies. I've yeah, well, he, I saw the movies. Like I just don't know. He's a military experiment. So like some of the movies show and the claws go back in and there's like blood on his hand because like the claw the the the, the metal they put in his body is there because he heals so fast. So hmm. it basically like hurts every time he takes them out because he's like cutting his like skin to get them out. Okay. 
All right. And then it and then it heals around them and then anyway, it's Yeah. All right. Ask me I comic book questions, I can probably answer a lot of them. All right, I'll save some for next week. Speaking of James, it's time for some listener questions. Do you have some? I do. Turning in their best performance of the season, asks Justin Woods. How many games do you expect the Leafs to go 7D and 11 forwards? Over or under 25 games? And then he says he's a big fan of the podcast. So that's why we answered his question. Hmm. I... My guess is they don't use it that much. I think I agree with you. I don't love it. I think um, they did it because Lennon's getting antsy to play. I, I think that they, they want to give him a chance. And I mean, I don't know how much of a chance he had. He played six minutes and change. Six minutes and 40 seconds. And I think if it wasn't as close of a game, they would have been able to play him a little bit more. They're, the thing, too, is there's going to be an injury on defense at some point, right? Sure. And then you, when, when, once you have an injury, then you're going to feel less confident about using seven defensemen. And so over under 25 games, I would say under for sure. Oh, way under, yeah. I, I just think like the other thing, James, is like. Max. Yeah. And I mean, I might even go lower than that. Um, yeah. I just think that like you, I, you need to just pick. Like some nights maybe play Latin ahead of Dermot. Some nights play Latin yep. ahead of Bogosian. Yep. Um, because like that that game, like Latin plays six forty one. Dermot plays ten thirty one. Like Dermot's not playing much at all. Bogosian plays fourteen minutes. A, a big chunk of that is penalty kill. Um, but yeah, we'll see how they, they continue to manage this. Um, and the other thing, James, like is is the forward thing, and, and Sheldon Keith mentioned that is like, yes, it's it's nice that you get to double shift Neander and Matthews and Thornton like with that fourth line, but then that kind of creates a ripple effect on the rest of the lineup. I just don't think it's it's ideal. It didn't sound like Sheldon Keith really liked it, right? Like you know, he was asked about yeah. seven defensemen and eleven forwards, and he kind of was like, he didn't crap all over it but he also wasn't super excited about it so that says to me that it's going to be something we only see a little bit it's not easy to do you know tampa did it really really well but you got to have buy-in from everybody and what ends up happening is you end up mixing and matching not only all your forward lines but all your defensemen yeah i know from beer beer yeah. league you always you always want to have like four and nine or something because then you have set lines the whole game and you can get like a little bit of chemistry going and but if you have five defensemen, then it's like you're playing with someone different the whole time, and sometimes you get righties with lefties, and like it's it's not great. So it's it, it it's a lot more tricky to manage when you have an uneven number of defensemen. On to the next question, Jeff Brewer, who I believe is a hockey coach out in Newfoundland, because I get lots of tweets from him. He says, "Where do you think the organization is at with Sandine? It seems strange he didn't get more of a shot to start." Do you want to go first? Well, he's 20 years old. I think the organization's thinking that he's not quite ready to be a full-time guy. They saw him play. Would he play last year, Jonas? 25 games? He played played quite a few games. Yeah. They got a a pretty good look at him last year, and they thought, you know what? You know, for a team we're trying to contend, we feel pretty good about Sandine being kind of like our very best AHL defenseman or our eighth defenseman at the NHL level, and that's what he is, and... I think that they will give him a game here in, in the next couple of weeks just to give him an opportunity. Uh, if there are injuries, obviously he'll get more opportunity than that. But you know, it, it feels like with Sandine, they're kind of they're going to wait till the AHL season potentially gets going here in February, and he's going to be playing a lot of minutes down there. 
I think that's the play. It's it's just not great for development. And and obviously these are not ideal times, but it's not great when he's going to go almost a year without playing a game. Like that's that's not that's not what you want. And obviously there's not much you can do about it. Like there was a pandemic. Like what can you do? Um so I would like to see him get some games because I think he I think there's not a there's a a small chance if he got in he'd look good and and he might force them their hand a little bit but one thing working against him is i thought justin hall was excellent against winnipeg and yep. you know if, if he settles in and plays really really well then i think the top four is going to be set and uh it's going to be a real battle to get in on that third pair so anyway uh david asks when will down goes brown be on the podcast again well this gives me a chance to plug down goes brown's new podcast the athletic hockey show down goes Brown is co-host with Ian Mendez every Thursday, so check that out. We we can have we could have Sean on again at some point. Absolutely, I know. I know he's got a DGB's got a, a a Leaf story coming out here. I think either tomorrow morning or the next day. So people look out for that. It's always a it's always good when he writes some some Leaf stuff. Uh, let's find it. We have time for one more, and then I got to scoot to practice. Oh yeah, you got places to be. Yeah, hmm. people to see, places to be, you know. All right. Lewis Archer asks, who has been the most impactful off-season acquisition for the Leafs so far? Who do you think it will be by the end of the season? I think this one's I think it's break. Brody. Yeah, it's Brody. Brody, yeah. When Brody's had some moments where he hasn't looked great. What was the I think the Ottawa game, he, he kind of struggled there a little bit. But the first Ottawa game. But when he plays well, I mean, I thought the Winnipeg game, you know, what was happening is that he skates so well that he's forcing the team to try and chip it in behind him. But then he skates so well that he gets it back and he makes a nice little play with the puck and they get it back out again. And yeah. He, he, and it's just, not like you can chip it to the other side either because there's Riley. Yeah. Well, and he's making a lot of those smart plays to Riley and then Riley goes on the breakout. So it's like Brody's, Yeah. you know how like at the other end of the ice, you have your F1, like Hyman, who you want to get in on the puck and get the puck back and win it back and get it to the skilled players. Brody's like kind of that in the defensive zone where he's getting back and using his feet and using his stick. And I, when, when Brody looks good, he looks really, really good. So I was thinking watching the Winnipeg game. It's like, this is, this is the player that they needed. You know, this is, this is, and we can talk about the contract and, and how old he is and what's the contract going to look like in year three and year four. I, I think that here at the beginning of this contract, if he plays this well, it's going to be huge. You know, it's 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 pushing, you know, Muzzin and Hall only had to play 20 minutes. Um, it, it gives them another pairing that they feel comfortable playing against top lines. Um, they really haven't, as you said, they haven't had to play the third pairing hardly at all. And that's because they feel really good about, especially their top 3D Um but it's just, it's a game changer if Brody can play that well this year. All right, James. Uh, if you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, I know you are, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report and receive a subscription for $3.99 a month. Only $3.99 a month. There's tons of good stuff to read, tons of good podcasts to listen to. Uh, and you can check out the comments section for our podcast in The Athletic app and also rate and subscribe us, The Leaf Report, on Apple. Any final thoughts before we wrap? Um, no, I just, like I said, I think it's it's early. Let's not jump to conclusions. Leafs look pretty good so far. I think coming 3-1 out of those games is is what you would want. And um, I think the, the bigger test here is, is Edmonton, Edmonton, Calgary, Calgary. And 
I, I don't know if, what other people think, but I highly recommend uh, watching some of the, the Canada Division games because they've been excellent. So I'm, I'm a week into this, I'm pretty excited about the setup, and I think it's going to be when it comes down to the battles for the playoff spots and the actual playoffs, it's going to be it's going to be a really great year. So so far so good on that front. Amen. So we will chat next week. We'll have those games to dissect and kind of look ahead. Keep well, everyone. Thank you for listening. James, peace out.